0: All right, Hour 2 here on a Sunday morning coming to you... From the fan, from uh, a portion, well, not the direct studio, but, you know, my studio, which connects to the WFAN studios in New York, and then, of course, the country with CBS Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. There are challenging times ahead, obviously, and Rocket Mortgage is prepared to help. If you need mortgage assistance, contact their team 24-7 at rocketmortgage.com. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage is there. For you, you heard at the top of the hour the president meeting with all the leaders from different teams, uh, all the commissioners, and talking about how he wants the sports to get back, uh, wants the NFL to start on September 10th. Roger Goodell said that uh, it is without question unequivocal and unanimous that the draft will begin, uh, will be as scheduled. Uh, when he wants it, although it'll be a very different draft, the draft will go forward April twenty third to twenty five, and this is after the general managers and the general managers subcommittee had expressed concern that uh, the draft shouldn't go forward, that they wanted it postponed because they felt that there were concerns about off season activities. Uh, facilities being closed, wasn't enough time for player physicals, gathering psychological testing, uh, all different things that they felt some teams would have an advantage over others. Uh, Scott Pioli, who won championships with the Pats, was part of the uh, Belichick crew for many, many years, went down and did a great job with the Falcons, uh, joins us now uh, and has obviously been an NFL executive of the year on multiple occasions. Uh, knows the league inside and out. And I know, he, I know Scott felt that they should have it. Scott, a lot of your brethren, a lot of the general managers, had told the commissioner that they wanted the draft postponed. He didn't listen. The owners didn't listen. He didn't listen. Do you think they have a point?
1: Well, you know, Mike, good morning, first of all. And, um, you know, I there's points on both sides, but I believe in what the NFL is doing and moving forward. Um, because this isn't totally new territory, you know. And I think listening to some of the GMs that are having issues with it or other front office people, again, uh, all 32 teams are going to be in the same boat, Mike. And and, and I'm just a – personally, I'm not like – I'm not someone who likes to hear excuses, and to me, um, worrying about all the things that can be, there are much, much bigger problems in this world. There is, every business in America is being affected by this. Millions of people are being put at a point of disadvantage, and the NFL, you know, too often, having spent 27 years in the NFL, been very blessed, you know, sometimes we are so fortunate to be above... Um, issues and problems that we live in this nice little bubble and there are things that happen in the real world that don't affect us. Well, guess what, GMs and guess what, personnel directors, this is affecting us. And what we need to do is there's millions of other people marching on, moving forward, figuring out life in very difficult circumstances, and we all have to do it. Are the problems that they bring up real? Yeah, they're problems. But great leaders figure things out. They don't complain about things. They don't make excuses. They just figure things out. You know, Mike,
0: Scott. Let me get to the, before I get back to the Jeff. Let me get to the bigger picture. Um, Trump said he wanted the NFL season to start uh, on time on September 10th. Uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom said, "I cannot anticipate that happening in my state. I do not expect any team." to be playing in front of sixty or 80,000 fans or 50,000 fans at that time in my state. So he said, I'm not anticipating that happening at this time. Uh, There's going to be some of that locally. There's going to be some of that state-to-state. In your mind, if you're an NFL fan and uh, we all are, uh, what do you think you think there's a good chance, or do you think that it's going to be unlikely that the NFL start business as usual?
1: You know, Mike, I- I'm not smart enough to know all the issues and the impact of all the issues, but but here's my f- my feeling on on what this is going to be. You know, football and the NFL are going to be ready and waiting whenever we get on the other side of this and we uh, are in a situation where we can do it. And that's what I think we have to focus on. I think that's where we need to be hopeful. People in positions of power and authority will figure out when the right time is. But, Mike, when it comes to football, as a fan, and and this is where I want fans, and I I hope and pray that fans and anyone who loves this game, um, that they remain hopeful. And uh, because, you know, we've seen... you know football work interruptions before you know this has more gravity obviously this situation than a normal work stoppage but mike in mind in your lifetime you go back and look in 1974 we had an nfl strike that lasted until august 4th of 74. training camps didn't even start until that time because of that then in 1982 The NFL had only a nine game season. Remember that? Yep, very well. There were no games played from September 21st to November 16th. They played a nine game season. We had that shortened playoffs, and we even had a Super Bowl that year. Then in 1987, the NFL played only 15 games, right? Because we had the, the player strike. Yep. And then. And three of those 15 games that we played... And we counted the
0: replacement, replacement games, which, it, it, drove, exactly. which drove your father-in-law crazy because he <laughs> George Young did not prepare for it, and some teams like the Niners did, and it cost that great giant team, which was defending a championship, a chance to go to the playoffs because they didn't prepare for those games.
1: Right and, and you know and Mike and then in 2011 not too long ago you know we had a player lockout from March through the end of July and 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 I lived that out in Kansas City as the general manager and we were not allowed to see hide nor hair of players from March until July we had no idea what kind of shape they were going to show up in we had no idea you know what it was going to look like who was going to be in shape how were the coaches preparing and and these were work interruptions that were, you know, that we put in place, whether it was the players or the coaches. We've got something much, much bigger out there. And what happened in every single one of these seasons, Mike, when it was time to go, when it was go time, when football season was on, people were ready to play football. They figured out the games. They figured out the stadiums. And, and, and that's been a constant. I mean, heck, Mike, let's go b- Mike, we can go back even further when there was a real situation going on, right? That wasn't a work stoppage. You know, in World War II, there was such a player shortage, you know, because players were called into service and had to go defend our country, something that was real, just like what's going on right now. And, you know, those players' shortages of course, the Cleveland Rams didn't have a team in 1943. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles had to merge and create the Steagles. And I bring these all of these years up, Mike, because the reality is, when when we are ready for football, football will be ready. Players will be ready. Coaches will be ready. We have to stop focusing on, or, or we have to consider that there's something real going on here. And football fans, stay encouraged, right? Because again when we get to the other side of this the nfl will be ready college football will be ready will it be what we're used to seeing will it be what we want to see i mean you know we've all gotten pretty spoiled with the how with how things are and what this game looks like is it going to look different than it is right you know than it has in the past but heck i mean this whole country and world is going to be changed and look different. Families are going to look different. Now, football may look different. When we get on the other side of this, it may feel different from what we're used to. But be faithful and hopeful that we will have football at some point in time, Mike.
0: We're talking with Scott Pioli, uh, of course, the NFL executive, longtime executive, uh, about everything that's going on with the league. The draft's coming uh, fast and furious. If you were – now, we're talking about remote – Areas uh, they're going to have players that'll be uh, they'll have the interviews with the players remotely. There's not going to be any any real physical you know plant or any place where everybody's going to be together or anything like that. Teams will be uh, handling this remotely themselves. There'll be much smaller groups than in the past. What do you think is the biggest change, or what do you think is going to be the hardest thing for for teams to adapt to?
1: I think the toughest thing, Mike, will be it looks like that all of the decision makers are going to have to work in isolation, right? That they're going to have to be in their own private home or their own private setup, wherever they are. The only way to communicate is going to be... Uh, multiple screens and multiple, you know, just using different methods of communicating, whether it's by the phone, whether it's Zoom, whether it's, uh, you know, those things are going to be challenging because I think that there's a lot of leaders. There are some leaders that are used to technology. There are some that aren't. I think there will be glitches with technology. So I think the communication right prior to make a decision and the timing of decisions and whether information gets out at an appropriate time or in the the allotted time, I think that's where it's going to be. It's going to be mostly logistics. Again, I don't think there will be too many. There's going to be the same number of really good decisions made, there's going to be the same number of bad decisions made, right? Because every draft has good decisions, bad decisions, and all of us have made good and bad. What's going to be the biggest issue, I think, is the technology and the logistics for teams because people will be working in their homes alone without a tech staff helping them be connected in person.
0: Now, Scott, you could tell the folks that you've gone through rehearsals of what you expect to happen as the draft unfolds. You've gone through your own mock drafts. You've gone through your own things, how you expect them to come off the board. Give them how it will be different this year. If a guy start, a top guy starts to drop like a stone, and now he's available to a bunch of teams that never thought this guy would be available. How much scurry, do you think less scurrying will go on this year than in the past? or And people will stay more to what they already established? Or will it be harder to adjust to that on the fly when somebody is dropping like a stone and nobody knows exactly mm. why?
1: Yeah, Mike, I think that's a, that's a great question. And I think it will be, um, more difficult because again, you know, going into this part of what what teams try to do and decision makers, you know, try to do when you're when you're in that moment is to eliminate distractions. Right. It's just like the great coaches on game day. The way that they have their top performers perform is by eliminating distractions. That's the exact same thing when you're running a draft. But what's going to happen now, there's going to be b- this built-in discomfort that everyone has. And when something happens that's going to be very emotional, regardless of how you, you carry your emotions, some people are outward with them, some people keep them internally, it does affect us. Any of those scenarios that you just brought up, Mike, I think are going to um, create some difficulties and create some challenges because you know I've watched some of the discussions that happen You know, when people are together, and there's going to be a heightened anxiety because of all, what's going on, all that's going on right now. And it, it, it's going to be tougher in that sense. But what I would say, Mike, hopefully, I think one of the solutions in this is, if people are working from home, is maybe the league shows a little bit more grace in terms of the amount of time and the allotted time that teams have to make a decision and to make a pick. Because, again, there's going to be things that are completely out of people's control And like you said, Mike, that's a great example of a a player dropping and because it's either a a medical thing or a character thing that people are worried about and they're going to be on the clock and they may not be able to communicate as quickly and efficiently as in the past.
0: You know, uh, Scott, do you think it will be harder... Now you know what happens when teams start talking trade. Uh, people yeah. look at the movie, uh, the draft day movie with Costner, which I thought you know had some very re- cr- you know things that weren't realistic and some things that were very realistic in it. All right, so I think it had both. But um, from that standpoint, do you think because of the limited communications, people not in their offices, people remote, do you think it's going to be harder to talk to more teams? Is you think that's going to be cut back dramatically this year, just because of logistics?
1: I think it's going to be very, it's going to be more difficult because uh, for that very reason, you know, will someone from their home be able to have lines to the 31 other teams while also having phone lines or whatever I say phones, but whatever method of communication lines that are are available and how are they going to get that done? Then there's also the timing of the trade, right, Mike? Yeah. Sometimes people try to get too cute and they're trying to squeeze and or leverage people into getting more, more, more and a team has to say listen you know we've got you've got to be on the phone with the other team and the league office at least a minute before the pick is due sometimes more because that is all happening simultaneously because as you're trading that pick and getting all of the details of the pick to the league office. You're usually on the phone with Ken Fiore or, you know, one of those folks. You're giving them details of the trade. At that moment, the team that's receiving the pick has to get the card in, has to get the name in. So there's going to be – you're going to have to pad a little bit more time now when you're doing trades, without a doubt.
0: Do you remember, uh, we're talking about Scott Pioli again, obviously from uh, his many years with the Pats and obviously with Belichick and then obviously the other teams he's been with, uh, multiple-time NFL executive of the year. I watched Greater last night. I remember when you when when Nut took over the team and turned it around. I even remember the T. Martin game when the year after Peyton left, where T. Martin made the comeback, the fumble, the whole thing. I remember that game. I even called the fumble in the game uh, last night on TV. Um, but I don't remember the player. I I I don't remember. Do you remember the player? You 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 were scouting then. Do you remember Bullsworth at all as a player?
1: You're talking about Brian Bullsworth. Yeah. from
0: Oh yeah. Arkansas don't you know i 't remember him as uh, yeah i don 't remember yeah. him as a player. I it was like i don't rem- I remember Houston Nut taking over. I remember when Jerry yep. Jones was even talking to Houston Nutt about maybe coaching the Cowboys. I remember that, but and I remember that T Martin game. I remember the game. I even said,
1: "Wait, Tennessee wins this
0: game. I remember the game, but I don 't remember him, and I don 't remember him dying.
1: Yeah, so Brian, uh, Brian Bullsworth um, was a offensive lineman. He was a guard. I want to say he ended up being picked in the second or third by, round. By the Colts, yeah. Cults. Exactly yeah. right. But what I remember him, he kind of had this, um, you know, God rest his soul, he kind of had this little cult you know, following. Because
0: he had he, been a, a kid who was a walk-on, who was real he heavy, had, who lost a right. ton of weight and all this stuff, and then they loved him. He made All-America, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah
1: and he was an All-American human yeah. being, that's for yeah. sure. You know, and he had the the big thick-frame glasses, the black thick Right, and glasses. he dies in
0: an accident. The team loved him, I guess. Yeah. They loved the guy. Yeah, I don't, I, 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 I don't remember the it's my. It's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm watching this saying, boy, I remember the games. I don't remember the player. I really didn't remember the
1: player. And here's what he was as a player. He was a limited athlete. He was extremely tough. He was extremely smart. He was one of those guys that, you know, again, scouts call, not in a disrespectful way, they call him a ham and egger, right? right. They're, they're, they're just... Tough guys. He was. He played as hard. He practiced as hard as he as he played on game day. The game was important because he was a limited athlete. He was smart because he knew what angles to take. He always found a way to get people blocked because he figured it out. He knew that he had physical limitations, so he was not going to let anyone outprepare him. And that's the kind of player he was. of. That's why he endeared himself to everyone at the University of Arkansas and Houston Nutt, who's a, a good friend of mine, actually. Um, I was coaching at Murray State the year that I left Murray State University, Houston took over the next year at Murray State, crushed it in the Ohio Valley Conference, and won a bunch of games, and then went back to his home, Arkansas, and that's where Burlsworthworth played for him. And because of the type of kid he was, everyone loved it. I, you know, I don't think I ever heard anyone speak a, an ill word towards him and his work ethic.
0: You know, it's funny. I said I I don't remember the accident that took his life. I said, wow, you know, I can't remember the story. I didn't know the story. I, I you know, and I met. I remember the season. I remember the Houston not taking over. They had a great run. I remember the Tennessee game with T. Martin. I remember the game. That was yeah. the year that with the year after Peyton left. I remember the whole thing, but I didn't remember the the. The offensive lineman for Arkansas, who really was an incredible story. He really was it, what, yeah. a kid. who Was a walk on, becomes an All America. The whole exactly thing. I mean, right. yeah, yeah, with the big glasses. Lions,
1: Burlsworth. It's Brandon Burlsworth.
0: Yeah, yeah, what 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 a wonderful story. I mean, really, it was a good movie. Greaters. People should check it out. It's a very inspirational movie because the kid went from being a kid who wanted to play, didn't get, only got a scholarship to Arkansas State, wanted to play for Arkansas, walked on. He had one year. That's all his mother could afford to send him there. He went there and the coach said listen you're 380 pounds you're fat you can't play here and he said i'll do whatever i have to he got down to 275 pounds the players started loving him he outplayed guys the next thing you know he becomes an all-america
1: yeah all-american then was drafted and and never got to play a snap in the nfl it was, it was a horrible tragedy it was sure again i haven't seen the movie mike yeah it's good um, it's
0: it's it's really
1: good I just know it was very shortly after the draft. It was that weird time, you know, right after the draft, and he had, he had ascended to this. And, again, I want to say he was a third-round pick. Yeah, and
0: Mudd um, told him he's starting in the movie. He told him, you know what, you're going to be a starter. You've earned this, kid. You're going to be a starter, you know. And he was like, he couldn't believe it. He goes home to for a visit, and he gets... Yeah, caught up caught up with form. like a with a 12 wheeler or some some 18 wheeler crushed him yeah, or something. Truck, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. I, right. uh, what a, what, a, what a terrible story but but inspirational because the kid was just a wonderful kid. I mean everybody w- loved the guy. He was un- you you had a root for him. It was it was an amazing story. The movie's called Greater. People should check it out especially when they have time now. It's a very inspirational although it's a sad ending. It's a very inspirational movie, really is.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the beautiful things about this, Mike. And, you know what, Mike, this is the other part. We talk about being hopeful about this season and this game. I think on the other side of all this tragedy that that we're experiencing and and unprecedented, awful, tragic times, I think we'll get on the other side, um, and it won't be just in football. Football will be one of the places we see it, but we're seeing everyday heroes, and hopefully all of the sports will be will take time, you know, money, emotion, energy, and and allow the platform for all these people that are doing incredible work on the front lines and, you know, our civil servants and the people in the hospitals. And, you know, hopefully this will be something that, you know, in a a weird way galvanizes us and, and allows us to tell all the stories of these other real heroes that are working every single day right now.
0: How much would you be concerned right now with the physical well-being of your team? Uh, would this be something you would be very, very on top of every day?
1: Well, I'd be on top of as much as I can, but, Mike, this is where it's important on how you build your football team, right? I think that this is also going to be a time, again, if we're just going to just jump on the other side of of what's going on in this country and we get to the season, you know, this is going to separate – the good organizations from the not so good organizations you know this is going to give the players that are hard workers are going to have an advantage people are you know players are finding ways to work out i can't tell you how many players i've talked to in the last couple of weeks who are saying hey listen part of this you know my workouts are unbelievable i'm working out in my garage i feel like i'm working again you know they're they're back to the substance and away from uh, the the sizzle and you know these guys are professionals they 're expected to prepare. This is going to separate the hard workers from the not so hard workers again it 's going to expose the good organizations from the not so well organizations I think and it 's going to elevate the teams that have people that are truly problem solvers from the excuse makers and players are either go- they 're going to be excuse it 's the same with players they 're going to be excuse makers or they 're going to be problem solvers. They know what they have to do they just don 't know when they 're going to be you know called back to work so I think the teams that have rosters filled with people that have not only strong work ethic, but good work habits, right? Those two things are different. But the teams that have those kind of players, Mike, they are going to be the ones that advance more quickly.
0: Talking with Scott Pioli, uh, anything that's happened with Brady surprised you yet or anything, uh, or is, uh, has anything – how have you uh, viewed that? Has it been what you expected now that he's there and everything, or is it, yeah. has, any, has anything surprised you?
1: No, there's been no surprise because there really hasn't been a whole lot that's happened. Again, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to follow as much as I can. I saw something the other day. Someone sent me a thing that I guess he found a house. But, yeah, Jesus. Down in, down in Tampa. Exactly right. Yeah. Old house. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, you know, nothing has surprised me because there, there hasn't been an opportunity to be surprised, but I can guarantee you this. I know that the guy's been on the phone or FaceTime or or Zoom or whatever all of those different platforms are, and I guarantee you he is talking to every single teammate because that's what he does. He's talking to his coaches, he's talking to his teammates, he's getting himself prepared. He's going to make sure, and that's the other thing. This is one, part of the magic of, of, of t- guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees and uh, Peyton Manning and, and the great NFL quarterbacks that are true leaders. Right now, I guarantee you, those type of players in this league are communicating with their teammates and saying, listen, no excuses. When this thing is up and running, we better be ready. And here's how we've got to get ready. I guarantee you that's how guys like Tom Brady and the other great leaders on teams are spending their time right now.
0: All right, Scott. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks very right. much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Scott Pioli, uh, now CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227. is sponsored by GEICO. Whether you own or rent, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and auto. That's right. It's easy. Now, having a home is hard work. You know that. So get a quote at geico.com. Geico.com. It's easy. 212, uh, excuse me, 855-212-4227. So it's 855-212-4CBS or ask, hashtag Ask Francesa. We'll get to some calls uh, and some questions right after this.